Hello. Hello. Industry. 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 Hello and welcome back to Industry Tactics. My name is Friendly Rich, your loyal host, and this is our last episode before we break for the year. The last episode of 2020. A, a delightful chat with the community builder, the soprano, the educator, the music educator, the wonderful Gwena Fairchild Taylor. Uh, we caught her live from her place in Omaha. She's doing a placement there with Opera Omaha for the last couple of years. What a delightful chat. And um, if you if you are in the holiday spirits and you want to check out my 10 hours plus of, uh, of my box set, my catalog, my musical output, go to youtube.com slash friendly rich and check out my Yule Log box set. Uh, spend some time with me. Allow me to ruin your holidays. I'd be delighted. So wishing you all the very best over the holidays. But this is my episode 97, a chat. And we, of course, we talk about the influence of Mr. Doug Friesen, on Gwena, yet another one of his students doing amazing things in the world. Enjoy episode 97, Gwena Fairchild-Taylor. She is just entering the room. Gwena Fairchild Taylor. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome. How you doing? Yeah, I, I, I'm great. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. The last time we talked at length, the world was very different. Holy smoke. Isn't that the truth? Um, and now here we are in the upside down, just making sense of it, trying to figure it all out. Where do we find you this fine morning? Um, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Wow. Yeah. Do working at working at Opera Omaha. So I I, um, I came back to to Canada for a bit, like when the pandemic first hit, and then when my second contract started at the beginning of August, um, I ca- I flew back and I quarantined and I hoped okay. I wouldn't get it, and uh, now I just do my best to be safe in a very COVID-laden situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have, you've been okay so far? Yeah, I just don't Good, no. super, like Good. I just, I haven't been taking um, very many risks, which means a lot of time in my apartment, but I think that's true basically wherever you are. 
Right. You know? Right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's travel the world for the next hour, shall we? <laughs> Uh, it's a delight to have you to have you on the podcast. And, you know, in my uh, my deep dive on, into the work of Doug Frozen, uh, here we are. Uh, it leads us to you, to your place in uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> so uh, delighted, delighted to uh, to get into this because your name came up that I, I had no idea. You know, we are connected through other, you know, the way music connects us, uh, through other um, avenues, beautiful paths. If you want to learn more about that, you could go to um, the Regent Park School of Music's podcast called Every Little Voice. And I would urge you to subscribe to that podcast. Uh, Gwenna comes up in the Make Me a Song episode for sure where we did a recording with our students and it was a blast. But today I want to talk about you as a student. I want to talk about the influence of Doug Friesen on, on your work and what has led you to 2020 um, and this contract with, uh, with o Omaha, with uh, Opera Omaha, which is pretty cool. So uh, do you want to kick it off? Do you want to just tell us kind of... Um, I, I would love to hear about your high school years and what got you there, you know, like uh, Rosedale. When did you go to Rosedale? So I, I had to I had to do some thinking this morning because I figured you might ask. Um, oh, yeah. So I was there 2005 to 2009. Okay. Okay. So uh, and Doug comes into the picture. Like 2000... 10th grade-ish. So 2006. I'm piecing it together. I mean, an interview a day will do that for me. I've been really kind of hammering in on this uh, over the last little bit. So, yeah. So Doug comes in when you're in grade ten, mm -hmm. and you're 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 what? You're a singer by then, or or like where were you in your musical journey when when you collide with Doug? Yeah. So <laughs> I like from a, a super young age, like knew I wanted to be a teacher and a singer, but like didn't know exactly how I was going to get there. Um, and I ended up at, at Rosedale like as a singer, for sure. Okay. And a cool thing about that place is that like, you, you, you can be there if you like want to be good at music, you don't already have yeah. to be good at music, which um, really worked in my favor, because I didn't have a whole lot of um, previous training, except for like, choirs and stuff. So okay, okay, grade nine, um, I took voice and then grade 10, uh, I took voice and I think there was a guitar in there and then also like a bunch of visual art. Like I was always taking a lot of visual art. And then in grade 10, I had, uh, sort of the teacher that Doug, um, replaced, uh, for, for guitar and he was wonderful. And, um, I just thought like, boy, it would be really interesting to take a composition class. But at that yeah. time, the, the, voice, the voice classes and the rest of the like instrumental music classes were like super separate. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, have none of, we'll have none of that. We'll have none of absolutely that, Absolutely right? not. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, um, okay. And so the, the teacher was like, yeah, you can sign up for this class, but like you have to learn some, some more theory because like it just like wasn't wasn't super prioritized in, in the voice program at that time. So I showed up at like eight in the morning to learn minor scales to be in this class. <laughs> wow. 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 Um, yeah. Awesome. 
Awesome. And um, so, so prior to grade nine, your musical, um, like your music education is what? Is it pretty, is it pretty limited as you were saying? Like the, do you really start coming into your own in high school? Yeah, I would say like, music? let's see. I had an amazing elementary school music teacher in Toronto yeah. um, and she was awesome. And, and it, you, you're, you're born and raised in Toronto, Gwena? No, no, what, I... Yeah, I was born in Ottawa and then uh, we spent some time in Toronto and then we spent some more time in Ottawa and then I came back for to Toronto uh, like in eighth grade. So I had an amazing music teacher in Toronto who I actually ran into on the street again in like my second or third year of university, which was sort of wild. I love that. It was that. great. And I said like, Miss um, Massacott, like I'm a singer now. And she looked at me and she was like, I know. <laughs> Um, neat, neat. Yeah, and then uh, in Ottawa, the second time we lived there, I was in like a a choir outside of school, and that was really helpful. And my my grandparents were wonderful, and they they sort of paid for that, so me and my sister could do that, and that cool. really started out the journey. There was like a a few piano lessons in there, but uh, we're talking like maybe six. And yeah, uh, yeah. High school is when when things sort of got started. Like I. Yeah. Um, I ended up having voice lessons starting in 10th grade in high school um, okay. and singing in this this choir that still has a partnership with with Rosedale, I believe, the Toronto Chamber Choir and like doing a bunch of Baroque music and stuff. And then wow. the composition classes and all of that stuff uh, sort of came together. Yeah, no, it it's you talk about your kind of your the the diet you're on when when you're in high school of like art and music and like it's just like this beautiful you're not the only one I, and if you look at the list of so far of uh rosedalians <laughs> that i've uh that i've that i've interviewed about this influence of doug i think that 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 that's a recurring theme you're not alone there and saying like yeah you know i was doing art i was doing music um it's multidisciplinary I was trying to find my musical voice from a few angles, like one being composition, one being voice. Like that, that's not foreign in the, the discussions I've had, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Incredible partnerships, I think really also really important. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I think what inspired me to want to do this deep dive and like you, I had no idea you went through this program you were one of them all of these like interesting artists in the city of toronto and beyond in your case that that have that started there that that really found themselves there and there's something in the water i just keep saying it it's like that's what i want to drill in on is like what made rosedale and and particularly i i bring it back to doug because i like i i go back with doug and it's like what the hell were they doing that made it, in your opinion, you may take it for granted because you just, that's where you came from. But what were they doing that, that you think would be different than say like the school down the road yeah. that didn't produce all these working musicians 10, 15 years later? Yeah, like there's, I, I was thinking about this this morning too, like the class that um, that we were in together, all of us, in grade 11 and 12 composition composition like et, almost everybody is still making music and the and the the vast majority of people are like making music for money it's sort of wild yeah. it's it's it is wild 
It is. I mean, almost to the point where it's it's all, I think, almost just as important or more important than any of the college or university programs that people went to after. It's like there was something there in grade 10 and grade, right, in those formative years that builds you up to that, right? Um, to articulate what that was for me, I think, like, uh, so there's this idea in, in classical music and, and in, in opera and voice specifically that there's mm -hmm. one way to do something and you only do it that way and you have to do exactly what's on the page and that's just what it is and you do that and if you don't do that well enough, then too bad, right? Yeah. And yeah. everything that happened in that classroom was the opposite of that. Like, are you making music in a way that feels genuine to you? Great. Like, are we taking risks and taking chances? Great. Um, is everything yeah. that we do super gorgeous? No. Um, and also, oh. yes. Right? <laughs> right. Um, I love that. I love that. And you know what? You, you, that's why I do think like, yeah, like, like, you know, we have the, the whole, um, like, like I just, I talked to Samir Cash. I talked to um, Aaron Como recently. And now I'm talking to you. I just talked to uh, Hiroki Tanaka. Like if I go through all of those musical journeys and now I'm led to you, it's like what's really fascinating is what you're just touching on is like the perception of what opera is, of what classical singing is. And I want to know kind of how that w maybe weirder side of like your upbringing kind of makes you who you are today as an opera singer. Like that's cool to me. Yeah. I, I have like vivid. So um, high school me was very, very quiet and very, very different and like quite, quite reserved in a whole lot of ways uh -huh, um, and uh -huh. quite self-conscious. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, you can imagine in a class where, you know, for me, like improvising and taking chances and whatever, it was the first time I'd ever run into that and having to do that only with your voice because your oh. voice is your primary instrument. Like right. it was, it was my favorite part of the week, but it was also terrifying. Um, okay. And that led me to a lot of, a lot of really good discoveries uh, because at the end of the day, music making is sometimes terrifying. And also yeah, the thing that's be. the most interesting yeah. is, is when you bring yourself and who you are and who you are in a genuine vulnerable way to what you do. And you can't yeah. do that if you don't practice. And then you look at that from right. a teaching perspective because I'm, I love teaching. And yeah. um, the same is true. And obviously I don't have to talk to you about that. You know that like the idea that you're um, who you are as a person and why you love music um, is primary to making sure other people are facil that you can facilitate good experiences for other people is really important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And, um, and, and, and we will definitely go deeper on that, on that subject of how it's influenced you as a, as a, as an educator. Mm -hmm. Um, what were, some of your fondest memories as you go through those years of high school, you talk about being kind of reserved and then having to, you know, uh, improvise with your voice, not exactly the most, uh, <laughs> you know, like I, I could see why that would cause some, some anxiety perhaps, but um, what were some of your fondest memories of, of your high school years and working with Doug and, and, and what you bring to today? Yeah, I think, 
you know, it's interesting. I, I talk about the idea of like improvising and stuff being scary, but at the end of the day, like Doug is such a good teacher that in the situation, it's not as scary as sort of you envision it might be. In addition yeah. to that, I just sort of remember, um, so he, he kind of made that feel comfortable. Yeah, totally. totally. Otherwise I, I wouldn't, I probably like would yeah. have found ways to not participate or I wouldn't have come back and I came back every class. Mm-hmm. Right. Nice. And I just nice. remember saying to him like, Oh, you know, there is more than one like right way to do things, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then you know, on the other side, like learning whatever my classical repertoire was and like having to do it a certain way and whatever. Right. Um, mm-hmm the thing that that sort of sticks out to me is even though so there was there was me there was all of the people you mentioned who um yeah and more so yeah and yeah yeah. and then there was my friend atlanta who's still um she's still making music too she's a a fiddler oh yeah yeah. what's her name what's her name atlanta klein okay okay um and so i'll try to find her (laughs) she's easy to find (laughs) um we and we were often like the only two young women in the class that day and we were both quite quite quiet and quite reserved but the energy of the class was as such that everybody was welcome even if Mm -hmm. um maybe not everybody sort of understood where everybody was coming from musically all of the time there was no question that like everybody was welcome and everybody was trying their best and no one ever made anybody else feel uncomfortable. And that's the kind of musical space that I like to be in. And that's the kind of yep. space I try to create, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, if I'm going to touch on it, my perception of it, and I don't want to, like, I don't want to put Doug and his um, kind of aesthetic in a box either. And I, I want to make sure that, or pigeonhole him as a teacher either. either. So it was very good to speak with you who all these years later is, you know, working at, uh, as an opera, as a, as a soprano with Omaha opera, you know, opera Omaha, sorry, I'm fucking that up. But I, what I love about it is the idea that, cause like there, I imagine there's like almost like a reverse snootery in that, like, were you into John Zorn and melt banana and all the other weird shit that, um, Doug was putting on the plate every every week or Murray Schaefer even like what was this stuff getting into your into your bones as as you're going through it or are you like no I'm actually learning you know like you were doing classical studies at the same time and there's no sin in that and there and and Doug comes from that too and I so I don't I, I like it's just like the broad spectrum of how we define music yeah I don't want to like reverse snob it because I think that a lot of that other stuff, that avant-garde or alternative stuff, all of a sudden are you being looked down upon for like your path or are you being accepted for who you are in that classroom? You know, (laughs) That's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, like, I guess you can get snooty about John Zorn too, right? Like you can get snooty on. Well, that's where I'm at. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I definitely for a long time sort of had to like chew through a couple of things. And that is like opera singing is, you know, what opera singing is, but like, that's not who I entire, the entirety of who I am as like an artist. Right. And so like there's, there's sort of two big components to that. The first one is what you're talking about. Like 
I love singing contemporary things. I love like the wild stuff. Um, I, yeah. I've, I'm, I'm trying to think of like how many new pieces that I've like premiered for people at this point. And it's, it's a lot sort of wildly because it's just where I've landed in a lot of ways. Um, right. And I think partially that's because of the very sort of rigid idea of what opera is and where you live in opera. Yeah. And yeah. for me, just because of like how I sound like and what I look like and rah, 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 for yeah. me in opera, that's like Wagner, Strauss, Verdi, all of the like yeah. big yeah. whatevers. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's a sort of over 35 game and they just tell you to wait. And then like, you know, I, I do work and I do sing, but I'm, I'm still, you know, waiting to be. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Like I, this is great. Like, I mean, I, I, um, we we've had a, a a few sopranos on the you know on the podcast over the last bunch of years but it's it's industry tactics so if we talk about that it's like you're unlike an a, an olympian who's done their career at 35 yeah. at thir- you got to wait until you're 35 let's get into that a little bit you know like awesome the things we may take for granted like so you're that's like the the moment they don't even they won't even look at you or listen if it's before then well i mean like i do i do sing for money you know i do a lot of things yeah you're building your career yeah of course yeah uh, like i i sing a lot of i think the the thing that i've sung the most for money is beethoven symphony number nine you know, um, wow. but yeah. I also sing a lot of contemporary music for money because no one has decided what kind of voice that should be, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you're, yeah. if you're, that's cool. You know, that's cool. loud and on the strident side and all of that, you know, you're welcome. You're yeah. welcome there. If no one's ever premiered the piece before, I will say a lot of the times in contemporary music, there's this idea of like, you know, small voices full of straight tone, and that's not something that mm-hmm. I can. A, that's not a box I can check very well, but if they want someone yeah. else, then, and they need someone who's a good musician who can um, learn whatever crazy pitches are there. Like that's, that's how I also have, have found a lot of um, sort of early success. But as far as the opera world, that's great. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have, yeah. A, I yeah. have, I have some more, some more cooking to do as it were. And it's sort of okay. funny because another soprano I'm sure on, on your very pad- podcast has been like, well, you know, at some point there's a cutoff for like how old I can be when I do this. And it just sort of depends on, on who you are and what yeah. you sing, because yeah. um, <laughs> I might be singing, you know, a romantic lead, you know, yeah. in my forties, but I'm not doing that right now because like the kinds of romantic leads I was singing are like the big loud kind, not the youthful looking yeah. sweet kind, you know, right now I sing right. a lot of, um, like mothers and like angry ladies and sort of villains and fascinating, <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. It is fascinating this path. And um, and so, who are some of the contemporary composers that you've had the chance to collaborate with that have changed your outlook or your life? Oh, that's an interesting question. Hmm. So we have this. I there are like two sort of projects that come to mind and there's one in Toronto um, called the art song collaborative project, which is uh, run by my friend Alondra. And she sort of, she commissions like a new set of composers every year to Mm -hmm. um, 
write repertoire for like a given set of instruments that sort of forms a sort of loose story or is centered around a theme. And then mm-hmm. um, generally it's been uh, me and her and maybe one other singer and a bunch of uh, various kinds of instrumentalists depending on the year. And we um, premiere all of that music, but it's different composers every year. Um, oh, wow. And the other big project that I uh, lo- have loved recently is there's one at Opera Omaha and it's called uh, Poetry and Music. And they mm-hmm. like, we, I mean, not this year, well, it's happened this year, but differently. We like go into high school and middle school classrooms, mm-hmm. teach mm-hmm. a writing and um, music workshop uh, with a co-facilitator who's a poet. The participants submit poetry and then those are set by composers. And then we workshop them with the kid who's written the poetry and the performer oh, neat. and the, sorry, neat. and the composer. Neat. And then we perform them at the end of the season. Great, great. I, great. I love that. That's an awesome model. Yeah, yeah. Asking a and I mean, it, it, why they write a foolproof, thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, beautiful. You can get right into it, and and a different way of getting there too. Um, very cool. I mean, I love this aspect of what you do. Is this this um, I, I moving the meter in opera and and what that means uh, from your perspective and. Um, and collaborating with with all kinds of living, breathing composers until until of course you reach thirty five, and then it's only the dead uh, <laughs> greats, right? <laughs> so 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 you leave eventually. Let's go back in time. You leave uh, Rosedale. You say goodbye, Doug. Mm-hmm. W- what does Doug recommend you do in grade twelve? What does he say? go 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 study music you've got this i guess pretty much i think that was sort of a box that i had already checked um you wanted to do that that i wanted to do that but i i'm trying to remember i i feel like he must have like written a a a reference letter or something for me sure sure um did he did you go on any of the trips before like any of those no because that's a uh that's a, a um jazz singers game you know Okay. Okay. And okay. Uh, were you mixing with the jazz singers, like, or was there like a little classical clique? Like, were, were how many opera singers came out of your year? Like, was one. it <laughs> one? And that's what I figured. I just had to ask. So, like, who were your friends? Were were they like the weirdo jazz heads, or what, or just like the 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 visual artists, or a mix? It was a mix. Um, yeah. I definitely felt. And I think it's it's changed a lot at Rosedale now because now we have the wonderful uh, Maria Reedstra there, like really doing a good job, um, a, an amazing job with the voice program. But she came also okay. when I was in grade 10. And um, oh, cool. there was like a very firm divide between the people who sang jazz with the band and the everyone else. Um, yeah. Or specifically for me, like it was it was tricky because there was only ever sort of one or two people who were interested in classical music at all from a voice standpoint um and so i hung out with a lot of different people i hung out with my friend alana who's who was also similarly and i think that's part of our bonding like she was deep already into like the fiddle and that was sort of an offshoot from the regular and then i hung out with with visual artists and um, yeah great and and all of that stuff it's it's rosedale so it's a a, everybody loves art everybody loves art for a different reason Oh, what a, it it just sounds like a rich experience top to bottom. Um so so yeah, you 
who were you studying voice with while you were there? Like who, I, we didn't really get into that, but I think it definitely requires a, yeah. a mention. Yeah, um, I was studying at the time with, with Penelope Dale, who I think she lives in Wasega Beach now, but she was working at the conservatory at the time. A wonderful okay. human being um, who okay. kept me very safe vocally and like really helped me out and handheld me through all of the university auditions and also oh. did quite a lot of, um, you know, giving me lessons for free, et cetera, when she knew I couldn't afford them. And that is something I will never forget. Oh, I love every bit of that. And you also took me back to the, the fucking dread of the university audition. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Side note. Let's vomit. Let's vomit in our mouths. By the way. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. The dread continues. But yeah, no, vomiting in your mouth as you, uh, as you as you reach that those auditions right isn't it it's a it's a like when you go back on that experience eh? like i know you wouldn't trade it for the world but it's also like ah yeah so where did you apply to where did you where did you audition so i auditioned at u of t laurier uh and western and i got and and you end up going to western I, i went to western i I had to pick between Western and Laurier at U of T. Mm-hmm. I won't say who it was, but in the audition, they told me I should just be a teacher. Not great language Ooh, there. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Um, I was, you know where I was at there? I was about to name names, but no, let's not. That's, that's awful. Isn't it funny that that stuff sticks with you? Oh yeah. The, they told me the same thing. Uh, when it was like, yeah, no, I, I want to compose. I, I want to create things. And it's like, um, they told me the same thing, you know? And that, the, of course that is like, and I've built a career on it on like, well, fuck you, yeah. you know, you. <laughs> like, don't tell me that. Like, no way, man. If there's a, an appetite there, um, you should feed it to an extent, but I guess they got to They got to draw the line somewhere. And I guess, it's not necessarily drawn along creative lines or necessarily even ability. Like, I don't know what the criteria is necessarily, but it does seem like it broke my heart then. And it still breaks my fucking heart now when I hear about people's rejection stories, I know they're important. I know they got you to where you are right now. Opera Omaha. Right. Yeah. But it, it's an interesting thing, right? It put you on a path. It did. And, you know, I was already on the path anyways. Like, I knew that I was going to teach for the rest of my life. But at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for telling me what I already know. But at the same time, go ahead. Keep on. I'm like, fuck, you don't need to. <laughs> I hope we can swear on this podcast. Yeah. Say it louder, louder. Sh- uh, shout it. Angry. More anger. <laughs> um, <laughs> Weep the, the swear word. Yell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You really got to mean it if you're going to say it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think that there is any world wherein, like, we should all live with the idea that the only way you're a successful performer is if you just perform, and then somehow just teaching is is some sort of downgrade from that. Yeah. Um, that's stupid. Amen. And yeah. not realistic, and for me particularly, doesn't lead, lead to a particularly great um well it doesn't lead to a fulfilling life and also it doesn't lead to a particularly great creative product either um on the singing side or on the teaching side exactly exactly so imagine if if your future students 
if you don't go down that path, and I'm not saying that going down a path of strictly being a teacher is unworthy, but in your case, you wanted more, you wanted to offer more to your students, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I ended up at U of T. Good for you. Anyways, I ended up there four years later. Exactly. You win in the end. You You win win in the end. end. You persist. You persist. So it's another story of persistence. (laughs) And, and, and just defying the, you know, I mean, listen, if we all listened to our, our um, guide, our high school guidance counselors, we'd probably be on much drabber, you know, I don't know, paths than we're. What's your guidance counselor tell you to do? Be a teacher or? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Mr. uh, The hell's his name? I want to say Hill. Um, He just kept talking about you know, um, musicians he knew or was just like, I know a guy that played, like it was just, it lacked guidance. (laughs) (laughs) It's like saying, you know, the word music, but you're not going to really put me on any kind of a path. It's so fascinating. And I remember, you know, the idea of a guidance counselor back then, just it for real, like they, it lacks guidance. And I acknowledged it back then. Like we knew it was kind of, Okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to. But what I've seen out of any good student is, no, no, fuck this. I'm going to find my own path. Like like the hunger uh, for the knowledge is there. And yeah, it was idealistically like why I would quit school a few, U of T a few years later because it wasn't really doing what I wanted it to do to me. Yeah. Um, you know, when I read about other musicians and their musical path, I, I was naive at the time, but it's like, wow, it should be so much more than what they're trying to give me. You know, yeah. it's like, you have this, you have this desire, this curiosity that needs to be fed. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. so you go back to U of T to what do your master's? Yeah, I did my master's at the opera school and love it. Um, love that's- it. Hey, did just a quick question and you don't, without naming names, did you cross the path of the re- the initial rejector? Why, yes. Repeatedly. Yeah. Repeatedly. Yeah. And I'm sure that person yeah. has no idea and doesn't remember, yeah. but I remember. Right. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Yeah. yeah. Let's be mindful, all of us, as we move through the acceptance rejection um, part of life on our journeys, never forget that, mm-hmm. th- that those rejections that you were given and what they mean, like there's a way to deliver that. There's a way to make it a positive. I'm not saying never reject someone for whatever the hell reason, but I don't know. There's it, that is an art form too, right. Of just making it like, a, just being mindful of it. Right. Yeah, I think there's a huge, I, I would love to be on the other side of one of these tables one day, just like to see what mm-hmm. it is and, and to mm-hmm. maybe be um, the compassion that only sometimes exists behind the table. Um, yeah. I think there's a difference between saying, we don't have space for you at this school right now versus like, yeah. you can't do this at all. You should do this other thing. Yeah. Yeah. You should do, you should just stay in your lane way. Cause like, if it were up to me, it would be like access to, to the, the education that you want for all yeah and i mean space you know maybe isn't even an issue if you need to do it in in the new world in zoom land right 
maybe it's just anyone who wants the access to it gets it and let let us decide what laneway we should be in as students yeah and i mean also i mean maybe this is a negative is that thing to say, but i don't mean it negatively mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if you look at all of the people who go through music school you know there again is only a percentage who continue to make music after they're done music school and then mm-hmm. all of the other people who have gone through the experience of being in music school hold that for the rest of their lives and that influences everything else they do in a positive way but it doesn't necessarily mean like everybody's going to end up being a performer and that's fine right right i mean my my main mantra going through all of it and like through to the end of the phd is literally you will not break because i see it break people you will not break my love of music or i did it wrong i did it incorrectly right it's like you got the only thing i preserve is that is like yeah. You know, that my love of music needs to be bigger than the educational um, foundation that it's on. Right. And all of that is inside or outside the classroom, I think, is just a means to an end is like the focal point is your love of the thing. Right. Yeah. When, um, when something in yeah. music, like in my performing life, you know, approaches that sort of breaking point, I turn back to the to the people I get to hang out with in a in a teacher, you know, lens like yeah. the kids I get to 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 see have that joy and and the joy on their faces um, and the understanding of why they think it's important. That'll, that'll, you know, fill up your bucket real quick. If something on the other side makes it a little, feel a little shitty. Right on. Um, Why don't you get, why don't we get into that? Why don't we get into the, um, it's a bit of a jump because I know you just started your masters in our, in our narrative here, but um, (laughs) Let's go into your teaching and into the teaching side of what you do and why you do it and where it's taken you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So what did I say? What, where, why, and when? So I was already teaching in Nunavut um, starting from around 20 years old, which would be... Like while you were doing all of this. Okay, so it it isn't like it's while you're doing your master's. Okay, good. I knew that. Yeah, I started... (laughs) You knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I started in my second year of undergrad and I look back at it cool. now and I'm like, I didn't know anything. I love that. How did I do that? I love that path. I love that path. You didn't wait. It's like, oh, I'm going to be a teacher when I'm done. It's like, no, you're a teacher now. You're doing it. Like, just figure it out. And you, you didn't know much, right? But who cares? <laughs> no, I, you had to. You had to. Yeah, good, good, good for you. Yeah, and also, you know, I was, uh, my mom, um, she at the time was a, a defense lawyer for legal aid and she had taken a job. Uh, in Nunavut and I was up there visiting Mm -hmm. her and um, all of these kids were asking me like can you teach me how to do this can you teach me how to do that like you don't say no yeah and what were they asking you to can you teach me how to what like sing this or yeah they were like you're an opera singer sing us some opera they'd stop me in the grocery store you know fun really eh? like that happened yeah yeah because uh, like in a in a community of you know a thousand people they know when someone's new and they hear about yeah. it. And also, I, I guess in that particular situation, like they always used to, in the first community I was in, they, they, they'd be like, oh, it's the tall lady. <laughs> yeah. Because I was, yeah. I was so much taller than all the other ladies, I guess. I don't know. Wow. Um, wow. And then I, in Nunavut, you, um, they needed substitute teachers in classrooms. And there, because of uh, the situation, which we could talk about all day and is not great, um, yeah. anybody yeah. can substitute in those classrooms. 
And so okay. when I was up there sort of on summers from university in May, when school was still going, I'd like sub in those classrooms. And so then you get to know people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, can let's go heavy right away then with this is like the the idea of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. How do you reconcile being a are, are, I'll say a, a, I guess a white facing, yep. you know, are, are you a settler when you when you're out in in none of it doing this work? How do you how do you reconcile that reconciliation? Is that a question? Yes. But how do you like what do you? What are some of the things that you've learned on that on that journey in your role there? Yeah. Um, yes. I think about that all of the time, all of the time. Sure. And I'm sure it's not something that I have been perfect at. Um, mm -hmm. I developed in my brain sort of three questions I ask myself always when, mm -hmm. when in situations where I am a guest and where um, I need to acknowledge and make sure that I am actively acknowledging and working on the privileges I have in the space. And so the first yeah. one is, um, who is this for and what do they need? Ask them. Uh -huh. So you don't just like wander into a place and be like, oh, I'm going to scream some opera at you. Like, don't you want this? Because that's gross. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, and sort of an offshoot of that is sometimes what you have to offer is like, maybe it's great. Maybe it's not the community you're in will tell you, but another layer is maybe it's not the right time and you have to accept that and not oh. keep pushing if it's not the right time. That's so great. That's, that's so well put. Keep going on this. I, this is really important. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not, what? I'm not perfect at this by yeah. any means. The second one is the most uncomfortable one to ask that I find myself asking almost every day. And that is, am I making this about me? Mm -hmm. Um, because the second it's about me, that's, that's not why we're there. And okay. that is, you know, my, my yep. white lady privilege coming out in full force. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 And then the third is how can I make space for others um, in whatever facilitation position I'm in, or if I'm a singer or whatever, or just a person, yeah. like how can I make yeah. sure that my voice is not the loudest one in the room and my voice um, is being used to um, create space for others to use their voices. Isn't this beautiful, gentle listeners? Um, to learn more about Gwenna's work, uh, both in the Opera House and as far away as Nunavut in the classroom, go to Gwenna <laughs> Two Ends, Fairchild, like it sounds, Taylor dot com dot com dot com. The idea of using your voice, um, the idea and making space with your voice as a as an opera singer uh, and an educator blows my mind. Right of of bringing your voice back so that others can be heard. Like this is a, there's a beautiful image that you're painting there. I think you know it's really important to have these conversations. And thank you for like I didn't ex I didn't know what kind of a toolkit you've honed to to do this important work because i mean um I, I really feel like there there is a place for you to be you um out there but to do it in a way that is constructive that is not making assumptions that you know all of this stuff of barring retirement for you it's like look i'm going to make space and the only way for me to make space is to to not go to none of it right 
I mean, I mean, th- I had to ask that question. Yeah. And I really feel like what you you've told me over the years of your work out there is so important. Um, what are some of the, you've been going out there for years now. What are some of the differences you feel like you've made and where do you want to take that work? Yeah. So I think the, the thing that I'm working on the most now is um, actually sort of uh, taking myself out of the equation almost completely, except for um, being a resource. That's rule number two. Huh? That's rule number. That's rule number two in your exactly. wheel of three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, except for being a resource for um, musicians who uh, might uh, want uh, some sort of uh, mentorship with regards to like starting programming or being teaching artists. And so the last time, the last time I was up there, it didn't happen this year for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But the last time mm-hmm. I was up there, um, I hired um, Asiva. And you should really listen mm-hmm. to her album. It's very beautiful. She's in Iqaluit. She's based in Iqaluit, but she's from uh, Pangertung. And um, how, do you, how do you spell her name as, a, as an artist? Let's look her yeah, up. A-A-S-I-V-A. Yeah. Two A's? Yeah. Two A's? Yep. Yeah, A-A. S-I-V-A. Thanks. And um, okay. she didn't need uh, any of... Uh, any any help she's she's wonderful and mm-hmm. brilliant just the way she is but so I hired her mm-hmm. to teach um, ukulele workshops in uh, Pengertang and Kogluktuk and was there another place and we went together and I mm-hmm. got a donation of 30 ukuleles and I just gave them to her when I when we were done those workshops and I think that she's how did how did you leverage that donation? Was that grassroots? You asking the right people? Yeah. 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 How much of that do you do in your day to day? It that we take for granted. There, there, um, there has been grants, but I would say a lot yeah. of the reason the program happens is because of nice people um, doing yeah. the right thing. With, no, I, yeah. I want to I want to touch on that on the creativity and the ingenuity of musicians i i see it a lot and you don't just don't for me i couldn't just kind of graze over that and we go on to the next thing it's like all of this like and then i just found 30 ukuleles <laughs> like i i saw jim cregan from the bare naked ladies on a on a on a streetcar in Toronto with a big hockey bag. And I said, Hey Jim, what's in the bag? And he said, 30 ukuleles, you know? So, so it's like, you know, we see this often, right? It's like, let's just, let's do something. Let's not like make finances get in the way of this work. Right. So good on you. Um, And, and so that's the role that you're playing now is more of like a mentorship kind of, yeah advisory thing or what i'll I'll be honest and say that like the last year i have done very little um thank you for your honesty and and uh, would assume such yeah just because of of how it is and also um where you're i'm at i mean yeah i i i I would assume so yeah yeah but i i really it 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 makes me want to to um build something um more well you know I tell I tell you what, um, my my brain goes to I'm connecting with you right now through the art of you know Zoom and by the way their beautiful generosity over December seventeenth to nineteenth giving us I'm on the cheap account the free account giving us all we can talk Ooh. for two days thank you Zoom not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> and pure evil but whatever listen in i know you're recording this even though i'm recording it i know you're also recording it 
But anyway, listen, could you not do the, like the remote learning, once the pandemic ends, once we can actually take a a collective breath, Mm -hmm. the remote learning thing, my mind immediately goes to the work that you were doing in Nunavut, the the seeds that you had planted, the relationships that you've built. Do you, do you have an interest there in, in developing that? Cause I do for you. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, I thought, I think of you often in that realm of going like, when this is all said and done, could Gwenna build that back up? Yeah, I, I, so my, my mind goes two places. The first one is, uh, previous to this year, I was like, stupid Zoom, fuck this. I don't like teaching on yeah, Zoom. Yeah, sure. Um, but now I've sure. spent, you know, the last <laughs> nine months. We're having a meaning. We're having a meaningful conversation, aren't we? So that's the main exactly. thing. Exactly. Right? And I, I taught, you know, how? yeah, three months of programming at a women's shelter over Zoom. And, yeah. and it was still successful and beautiful and all of this stuff. So there's so much that can be done. The, the sort of second place my mind goes is, so often the internet itself is the barrier. Yeah. So to exactly. like the, for exactly. instance, the kids in Nunavut, I don't think that they're doing remote learning when, when, cause I know okay. they shut down for a, a, a bit because yep. of some, a COVID outbreak that I just, my heart just, yep. uh, Yep. Yep. We've been hearing. Yeah. We've been um, hearing. So they've yep. been like doing learning packets, I think. And I think there's a website okay. as well, but okay. Um, okay. The access to internet is something that we, we need to yep. solve and should yep. have already solved. Okay. Um, Thanks. That, no, I mean, that is a goal. That is a primary goal right now yep. for, for, for making this happen. You know, the connection, um, good point. Great point. None of it can happen without yeah. that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I do it. I'd hundred percent do it. I do it every week. Right on. Free, you know, we keep in touch. We keep in touch, my friend. Uh, women's shelters, did this happen during the pandemic? Um, so I, Upper Omaha does like a lot of education programming. So I, yeah. I had taught workshops yeah. um, in, the, in, the, in the women's shelter last season, um, completely uh, in person. And then this fall, wow. because wow. of the pandemic, wow. it, it went virtual. Okay. And so we okay. did that and we adapted. Wow. And that's how it goes. You, you, um, you have a place in your heart, in your career for community music. I just see you naturally go there. No one had to teach this to you. You just do it, eh? Yeah. Where does that come from? Uh, I feel that there's so much power in facilitating experiences where people are reminded that um, their voices are important and their creative ideas are important. And mm-hmm. um, like being open to that and expressing those things will help you in lots and lots of different ways in your life. And so mm-hmm. I, I prefer, I would even, I would go so far to say that I prefer um, teaching like community music, facilitating community uh, music experiences over almost um, every other bit of teaching for that reason. Um, yeah. And it's interesting nice. the last year or so since I've been at Opera Omaha and I'll be done in May and then I'll move back to Toronto. Um, I've done basically 90% of my teaching has been, um, with adults and 10% with children. And before mm-hmm. it was the opposite way. It was 90% with children, like 10% with adults. Yeah. So yeah. in addition to the women's shelter, um, mm-hmm. like I've worked, I've, I've facilitated in the women's shelter with adults with developmental or intellectual disabilities uh wow. at a youth correctional facility uh at an addiction treatment program uh for hospital mm-hmm. staff uh like doing a creative workshop for hospital staff um 
for, for self-care essentially. And then your sort of regular, you know, K to 12 schools wow. and um, senior centers and stuff like that. It's just been sort of wild and it's really sort of yep. lit that fire even further. Wow. And, and, you know, you're just nailing it on the head for me is like the, go back to that rejection. It's like, even telling you you should stay in a lane of just teaching music they got that wrong yeah. they should have been like yeah and that's a 50 lane highway yeah. and you just outlined like 20 of yeah. them right it's like and that's where i think community music really blows up this this definition of like how we teach how we use music to build community and and how we when what we're doing it's like yeah it could look like you working in a shelter in a hospital and it's not music therapy. Yeah. It's just like it, all of the lines are getting blurred right now. And I love it. I love the path you're also, on. You know, I, it's been really cool. Um, mm -hmm. Redefining like what, what that looks like, what a community music class looks like. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of the times, you know, yes, it can be making music for sure. And I love that. But the other thing that's been really interesting is how much, I've time I've spent connecting music with visual art that everybody can make mm -hmm. and, and sort of facilitating experiences where, where, you know, you use music uh, to create visual art or poetry or writing, or you yep. Um, yep. think about what music would sound like based on a piece of visual art or music or, uh, or writing and stuff like that and how wide that can be and how useful that is. And it, well, and, and that it doesn't exclude anyone and that it lets everybody who wants to be a part of it, a la, you know, Schaefer and others, mm -hmm. it lets them all in. It just doesn't let in a small few who have the quote unquote ability. Right. Which is so old world for me. Like it's anyone who wants to participate should have a voice and that's where we're at with a, a role in the making of the art or the thing you know right and the buy-in is different like if you if you oh. and and that's how you build trust you ask people to do stuff you know in their comfort zone and like slightly outside of it until really that's nice. sort of like yeah. grown right and so if yeah. you start with you know i'm gonna play you this piece of music and you tell me what it smells like like that's a really easy buy-in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I really like where you're at there. That, that sounds right down the line of Doug. Exactly. Did Doug, did Doug impart that on you? Perfect pitch, scent, perfect scent. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I still use some of his games all the time too. I stole them. <laughs> Great. Great. Well, no, no. Every game counts. Um, Look, I, I could talk to you all day about a lot of these things. I know you're a hard stop on the hour, but, um, as we wrap it, two last questions. Where do you want to go with your career um, on all fronts? I know, you know, I know what you're going to be doing when you're 35, but like <laughs> until then and past then. Um, yeah. I will be running back to Toronto and chaining myself mm -hmm. to Canada. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> after after mm -hmm. after working in, in the States during this time, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'll... Two hugely important years in america like you're just in america at like the absolute best yeah. time in yeah the, that is in the, the way to put of, it <laughs> of the country yes yes um yeah. and my plan is uh like i would obviously love to be like singing in different places and 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 all of that but but mostly i want to sort of build a life that is um singing professionally and then also doing this kind of community engaged work and ideally also i would really love um, to get to the point where I'm teaching um, other opera singers how to be um, sort of ethical and great 
teaching artists. That has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a, that is a really important place. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, obviously I would like to continue uh, teaching in this community engaged way while doing all of those other things. So I think yeah. as, yeah. as it has been up to this point, it will be a very interesting balance, but it's like finding where, where you fit into that and finding people who understand that, you know? Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. And, and wish you the, the very best um, in your travels back. When are you back? In May, you said? May 15th. <laughs> All right. You're almost, you're almost there. You're almost there. Um, so uh, listen, as we leave now, what, did, uh, what, what is your words of advice, um, maybe drawing on some of the things that Doug would have, would have instilled in you from your early days? What, I, what are some of your quick, like rifle round kind of words of advice uh, it could be one thing. I know. I know you had that those the rule of three when going into a new community. I really loved that. I'm gonna uh, extract that, put it on my wall. <laughs> but it's like, um, yeah. What What would you are uh, to our younger listeners thinking about maybe getting into music or mm-hmm. all that you do? Uh, what would you want to leave for them? Yeah. So my, I, it's funny. You know, people don't remember saying these things to you, but I remember my mom. She went mm-hmm. back to school when when me and my twin sister were like 10 or 11. And I remember her saying like, you might as well do the thing you want to do the first time because you're going to end up doing it anyways. Fucking great. Yeah. Home run, yeah, home, home run. run. And, and that's, that's the way I try to operate. God damn it. I wish I had that advice. Yeah. She I said that to I me that. when I was young enough to really hear it. Could have saved three years fucking selling insurance when I didn't want oh, to. Oh God. Fuck. it's okay it's okay see what i did there i pivoted i made it about me <laughs> gwenna gwenna what a what a home run of a line i didn't know you had a twin sister uh what does your sister do she, she's an illustrator oh, and a graphic designer so also very wow. very arts focused the, the, that's so great yeah you can find her rose da- rose dalian rose dalian as yes. well yes come on all right well there's gonna be a part two <laughs> twins Twin, you gotta love twins. <laughs> Thank you, Gwenna Fairchild Taylor.com, if you want to learn more about her career and her work. Uh, what a delight to speak with you today. Thanks, Rich. So nice to catch up a little bit. Likewise. Yeah. yeah. No, a, a real pleasure. We'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Gwenna, what an absolute delight. Thank you for making time and being on the podcast. Episode 97, that was very inspiring. We wish you only the best in your career um, moving into 2021 and safe travels back to Canada eventually as we, we move towards May. But best wishes with your work at Opera Omaha in the meantime. Uh, and, and thank you, listeners. Let us know what you're thinking. If you're enjoying this deep dive into the influence of the great educator Doug Friesen on uh, this, this very inspiring and diverse uh, group of, of musicians that I've been interviewing that, are, that were his students in high school at Rosedale, let us know uh, how you're enjoying it, if you're enjoying it. Uh, I think there's another, there's someone else I got to talk to now, Alana Klein. So um, if there are any other students that uh, that you can recommend of Doug's, please send us a tweet at Industry Tactics and we'll try to, uh, to keep this journey alive. We've been going since March of, of this year, of 2020. 
interviewing Doug and a bunch of his students. So um, more to come. Lots of great guests coming up that are that have already recorded uh, coming up in 2021. So be safe and uh, we'll see you in the new year. All the best.